and welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast, where I'll be talking about all things food, the finer things, and things that are fine just the way they are. I'm your host, Sancha Toth, a bread and wine-loving photographer, wife, and mother who loves gathering people in my home to eat good food and have good conversation. I learned so much from the people I get to talk to, and I'm very excited to start sharing some of those conversations here on this podcast. On today's episode, we're trying something a little bit different. I received a lot of interest in hearing from local business owners, both here in Calgary and across Canada, so I decided to try it out. This episode features three different conversations. One is with Leslie from Camp Brand Goods. The second is with Emily from Frayed Gray Macrame. And the third is with Janice from Flora Fromage. And I don't want to give a lot away. I normally try to give a little bit of an episode summary here, but I just would love for you to take the time, listen, hear their stories, their journey of starting and running a business, and just get excited with me about the future of all of their businesses because they are putting in the work, they are amazing individuals, and I just think you're going to love hearing from all of them. We have Leslie here today. Uh, who you may know as, would you be the founder? Yes, the founder yeah. of Camp Yeah, Brand. with my husband, Connor. With your husband, Connor. So we are kind of, um, yeah, kicking off this new bonus small business episode um, that the, the plan is to hopefully release once a month, kind of featuring three uh, three local or at least Canadian businesses. And so today, thank you so much for joining me and taking time out of your busy schedule. Thanks for having me. Um, I would love to just kind of start off by hearing, I, I mean, I personally am like a, a diehard camp fan. People honestly probably think I own one sweater and it's just that I own several of the same sweater, the gray <laughs> one, the, um, the heritage logo. The heritage logo, yeah. So I have <laughs> I have many of those, um, and so yeah, they, it's a personal favorite of mine. But I'd love for you to hear for any listeners who maybe don't know um, much about camp, or um, or maybe wouldn't have known the history, or would love to learn more. Kind of how it came to be. Where did that start for you? What was what was kind of it born out of? Um. Well, both Connor and I grew up in the mountains. My dad actually has the largest collection of taxidermied trout in the world. So what? Like, yeah, that's a thing. And every summer was dedicated to that trout collection. So we would drive all over North America camping, backcountry camping, and um, fly fishing to add to his collection. Yeah, I've always enjoyed the outdoors from the very beginning. And then Connor um, is the same, like – always, you know, was like camping and doing whitewater rafting trips. And, and he actually had a clothing company that he started in high school. So this is Connor's second clothing company. Okay. And yes. do you incorporate anything from like, like a Connor legacy into camp at all? No, there, it was a very <laughs> different aesthetic. It was okay. more like, like t-shirts for partying, I would say. Gotcha. Okay. So different, different trajectory. <laughs> But one time we were in a restaurant and at the same table, one person was wearing a Paradigm t-shirt and the other person was wearing a camp t-shirt. And we were just like, I wonder if they know, like, <laughs> maybe they're like friends with one of Connor's sisters. I don't know. It was wild to see them both at the same table. 
That's fun. Okay, so some experience in clothing, but outdoors was a big piece of it. He was working as a graphic designer, and I owned a Subway restaurant. He was just kind of looking for another creative outlet, so he kind of started designing little logos, and eventually we ended up putting them on t-shirts, and I think our first sale was Park Sale. I don't know if you were ever at that one, but it was like an outdoor market at the university campus. Oh, yes. Yes. When, like, Um, what, that would have been? 11. 2011? Yes, so definitely. Yeah, and then from there, we started doing all of the market collectives, and... There was just so much support in Calgary. Um, I Yeah, we were just immediately blown away. And then what ended up happening was we made friends with Dorian and Kofi, who have a jewelry line called Katu Kitsch. And so we would always ask to have our booths set up beside each other. And um, we noticed that like all the same people were shopping at both of our brands, even though we were offering like very different products. A lot of people were buying stuff from both of us. So right. eventually... When we both wanted to kick our brands out of our houses, we teamed up to just open like a workshop um, with maybe like a few shoppable hours throughout the week. Um, And that's kind of how the livery shop came to be is we found the barn in Inglewood and we opened like right before Christmas in 2014. And I remember, I remember that because I had, we just got married that year. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. did we actually, we got married on September oh. 6th and got the keys to the shop a couple weeks later. Oh my gosh. Happy honeymoon. Yeah. And there was this, again, like immediately so much support. I, I guess the timing was perfect opening right before Christmas. Um, yeah. And it's kind and, of when like everything, even like on Instagram, like I felt like things in 2014 got cool on Instagram or people finally were like, Oh, I can be cooler than these Valencia filters and I can like connect with people. Totally. Yeah. It became a different, a totally different tool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So 2014 got the keys before Christmas. I remember that because I think we came in on Valentine's day for, um, I think you did a floral pop-up with, with rose and floral. Yes. Yes. Because I had like a cool hipster hat and like a maxi skirt and like the community Ooh. cardigan and I was probably the coolest I have looked in a photo and I'll just pretend that's how cool I am now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so things things took off from there. Yeah, yeah. We I actually like Dorian and I both thought we were opening like a workshop with a few shoppable hours a week. And we kind of, in a way, got tricked because yeah. Sophie and Connor had full intentions of it becoming a store, which it quickly did. Like there was no, I mean, that whole month of December, the first year, we were just working the front of the shop from like 11 to 5 and then working on the online components to our business all night long to like 2 or 3 in the morning and then coming back and doing it again the next day. We worked a lot harder back then. <laughs> well, I was going to I was going to ask kind of what yeah, what you had envisioned it would it would be when you started out that maybe was different than how it turned out. And I didn't realize that that it was kind of intended as a workshop space. I like I wouldn't have even done that much of it. I always kind of saw it as like an online brand cuz Instagram was just so easy to use at the time like we'd post about something and then it would sell, you know, and yeah. So the store just to me at the time seemed like a big distraction. And for the first few months, it definitely was really hard to stay on top of things because we didn't have any staff. So it was the four of right. us you know, like alternating shifts and 
<laughs> just trying to keep your heads above water. <laughs> and that pre-kid life when you could just like grind till 2 a.m. and then do it all. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of the brand has grown, obviously, and it is now like recognizable, like quite honestly, across the globe. You would know the stats better than I do. Um, but what would you say kind of between... 2011 and now, which is 10 years. And that's crazy, which is so cool. Um, what would you say is something that was like, would you say there was like one notable sort of challenge or like thing that was like maybe harder in these past 10 years? And what would be something that would, you would just call like a tremendous success? Like you just could never have imagined it would have gone better. Um, I would say, one of the biggest challenges was actually like growing our team and getting the like the right people in the right positions. Hmm. Um, our team today is so phenomenal. And like the last year and well, every year since Walt was born, I would have not been even imaginable without our team. Both our teams um, at camp and at the livery shop are just incredible. Um, but getting that team together was a really big challenge and just, I mean, we really didn't have any experience in that area, but like took a while to hire the perfect people. And then to also like, you really have to hone in on what everyone's assets are and get them in a position that they're yeah. excited and that they do a phenomenal job at. Which, which says so much for who the two of you are in your team. And because I think that's something that sometimes is missed. I think it just, I mean, as an outsider looking in, um, just anytime there's any like team interaction or you're, you know, showing your, you know, the people at delivery or whatever, it just feels like there's sort of, um, well, a unified front and, and not like an aggressive unified front, but just like, there's a, a cohesiveness to the team and it's, oh, that's, everyone gets along so well. Yeah. It's so much fun. Which is Go. such a beautiful thing to know, not only that you're creating, um, a brand that is expanding and growing, but also that like not everyone can say they go to work and love it. So that's pretty sweet. No, we joke all the time about starting like a giant cohort and just like renting a mansion that we oh like, my gosh like isolate and live together like bachelorette. The camp cohort. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what would you say? And I realize this is like kind of just like putting you on the spot here to come up with these, but what would you say is something that even for you personally, you'd be like, that That was a win in the last 10 years. I would have to say when COVID first started, just not really knowing what anything was going to look like and what the year would look like. And I mean, you can go into any year and not really have any idea. Like while like curveballs can come at you anytime, but mm -hmm. especially with COVID, we just had no idea how that was going to look. And when there was a shortage of PPE in Alberta right at the beginning of COVID, yes, we released a line called the Great Indoors Collection. And it is like honestly one of the best graphics we've ever done. It's like made to look like one of our mountain logos, but then yes. it's got like a sofa and like a lamp and a coffee table. It's so good. And the yellow. I love yeah. the yellow. Yes. Yeah. So we released that and 100% of proceeds went towards buying PPE. And, and it was like incredibly successful. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like it was wild because, um, we ended up delivering all of the orders in Calgary and that kept me busy for, oh <laughs> for weeks. It was so nice though, because prior to that, I'd been just at home with Walt all day, every day. And finally I could like 
go in the car and have a, a hot cup and of leave. coffee and listen to a podcast. So I was like, yes, don't ever let these deliveries stop. <laughs> but just seeing how much support we had behind us mm. immediately, like most of our COVID fears were alleviated just from the first couple months. It was, I think that that's the coolest thing that came from COVID is the push to really support our local businesses because it's scary to think how different Calgary might look when this is all said mm-hmm. and done and just how important each dollar we spend really is. I I was encouraged by that too. And I mean, I don't own, um, I mean, I own a business. It's not, um, it's a service. So it's a little it's a little different in that sense. Um, but yeah, I like, I, it was encouraging. I think it gave me a lot of hope, like seeing people rally that way. And I think we're all a little bit fatigued now and we're like running on whatever we can find or whatever someone can share with us energy wise. But I think that, um, yeah, that kind of set a precedent, at least, at least from, from what I could see in Calgary in terms of people really wanting to do their part and see our city come out on the other side, um, still somewhat put together. That's another question I was going to ask you too, was just how, how has it been running a business? And I, I, I feel like my experience is different in that it's, um, yeah, as I said, it's a service base. So we were kind of work is determined by how many people can gather. So in weddings. So, um, that was a bit unfortunate last year, but also we could get creative because people still could gather in some capacity, but in terms of even just like having a brick and mortar space and then also parenting through this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from those like hot coffee podcast naps in the car for you know, (laughs) what kind of has your, what would sort of summarize this last year for you? I think at some point I just surrendered to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I don't, I know like down the road, I'm just going to look back at these as the good old days. So I try Mm -hmm. (laughs) as that right now, but it, it is really hard to, I mean, your son is the exact same age as Walt. I'm like, they're busy. <laughs> like so I am busy. exhausted at the end of the day. Like I can't even picture then going and working after her or like I used to love working out and I just all of that has had to go on the back burner for now, which I'm fine with. You know, I just in 10 years this will have just been like such a tiny blip in our lives and we'll all be so proud of ourselves for getting through it, however we needed to. Um but we're in it right we're in now. It. And it's, yeah. uh, it's been a big step back for me and a big step up from the rest of my team to like kind of cover me this whole year. Because yeah. yeah, right before COVID, we were really getting into the daycare thing and Walt was loving it and I was loving it. And um, with him being compromised um, from a health perspective, we just daycare wasn't an option for us once COVID started. And so my parents take him a couple days a week and – it's I like, I, I think you nailed it in terms of just like what has taken a back burner and just like the human capacity is not unlimited and, and to choose, you have to choose priorities. And, and I think for both of us, our priorities are parenting in a way that we would like <laughs> to parent our children and hoping that, you know, they're, that we're helping them develop some kind of social skills for after this is over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I admire that so much. And I think it is cool. And it, as, um, 
kind of a fellow mom and business owner, it is encouraging. And I, I feel like I'm just like, you know, not alone in navigating that balance between, I think something that brings me a lot of joy, which is my work and something that brings me a lot of joy, which is my son. So it's like, I, but both drain me in different ways and I need both to do the other. Well, if that makes any sense, like they, like when I work, I feel like I am in a way energized differently. And then I come back to my home space, but also I think you're kind of in this constant state of flipping back and forth. And in like one minute you could be like on a zoom call in work a hundred percent. And then you get off and you leave whatever space that is. And suddenly you're like a hundred percent mom. And that switch is absolutely exhausting. And I think that's what I finally realized was like, this is why I'm so tired because I'm just a hundred percent in both spaces, like back and forth or simultaneously. And it isn't sustainable. So I, I admire you very, very much. And I think it, it is really a testament to, to like who you and Connor are in terms of the team that you have built that is like probably more than happy to support you in this way. So yeah, Yeah, I'll just, and my parents too, like they take Walt's usually Monday and Tuesday. So like Monday is my camp day, Tuesday is my livery day. And then all other emails don't really even get looked at until like night when I'm planning my Monday. Like, yes, (laughs) yes. And I think, yes, I think people for the most part, maybe not, um, but at least in my experience have seemed to have an extra layer of grace to yes. offer. Cause I think, yeah, in some way we can all relate now looking ahead. And I know it's strange to think that a time will exist that is not like this, <laughs> but as, as you dream about this brand that is a decade old and that is like quite iconic, is there more like what, what are the dreams that you guys have? Maybe they're crazy. Maybe you don't want to say them out loud here. That's okay too. Um, but are there things that you kind of have that like make you excited for what's ahead pandemic aside? Yeah, for sure. We have been working on making a totally different line of clothing, very similar. And that it will still be like sweatsuits and t-shirts, but okay. with fabric that we've designed ourselves, that's all, um, like recycled cottons and oh my um, goodness. recycled polyester. It's going to be amazing. It actually has been like, we've been trying to do this for five years. The last two years has really been like making successful strides towards this collection that we're hoping to launch at the end of March. Okay. Um, I think you guys mentioned something about like something five years in the works. And I was like, oh, tell me more. I need to know. Yeah. So this is exciting. It's going to be so good. Like we're we're finally in a spot where because we're making our own fabrics, like we can pick all of our own colors and our own cuts and it's so good. It's all made in LA. Um so we've, we've still got like unisex fleece, but we've also got like a more specific women's cut that's like a just a bit more cropped so it hits kind of like yep. more above the hips. Um we've got a woman's hood and then we've got like all new t-shirt designs as well. There's a really mm. good women's cut that's like a little bit wider and a little bit shorter. Anyways, we're very excited. Oh. And the colors, colors that we've chosen, I'm so excited about. Like, is I don't that even... what, what your poll was a while ago of like like Yeah, we've done it a couple of times, but then we've changed it every time after. Oh. 
<laughs> so I don't think anyone except for our team has seen the colors. I love even the timing of this because I feel like after all of this work and all of this time, working through a pandemic, running a business, and forgive me for this word, I feel like it's like the new authentic, but pivoting in this like last year and just making things happen. I feel like that's so rewarding to have something at the end of like a, a five-year process and be like, we did it. And then you guys have so much control. That's so cool. It looks different than how we anticipated. Like before lockdown started, we actually would have been launching this like last October. Oh my goodness. But then like LA has been in full lockdown so many times. But we always pictured ourselves and a few members of our team, like, or if not the whole team going down and like renting a house in LA and like living there for like the month while the production is done. So we can actually like be there as samples come off the line and just like make sure everything's perfect. So it's right. a little bit nerve wracking doing it from here because it's a lot different to like put on an item of clothing and specify yeah. what you want done differently, like versus trying to do that through email. So it's slightly <laughs> nerve wracking and we didn't get to go live in LA, but we're very, very, very excited. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I am thrilled and I will be ready. And even though we're moving, I will be on it. I'm pumped. (laughs) I need to probably, I should probably refresh. Like I show up to meetings and I'm like, now it really looks like I just never change my clothes. (laughs) I I promise I do. (laughs) But no, I appreciate you so much taking the time and just kind of giving listeners a little glimpse into, yeah, what this last year has been, kind of the last decade, um, looking ahead. And um, yeah, I think we could probably talk for much longer, but I will... I will end here because we'll have some more conversations with a couple other local business owners in this episode too. But thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was fun. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Well, hello, Emily. How are you this (laughs) evening? (laughs) I am great. This is kind of funny for me because in my head, I don't actually remember the last time I called you Emily. You are just... M to me. I don't think, I don't know if you've ever called me Emily. Well, first time for everything. (laughs) Because even when we met, you would have called me Mpots. Mpots, yeah. Like in my phone, you are Mpots. Instagram, you are Mpots. Yeah. Yeah. So Mpots, any listeners out here, you can call her M, Emily, Mpots. The choice is yours. Well, thank you for taking time. I know you are a busy woman. Um, I would say that if anyone is listening because they came across this episode on um, any of my social media, uh, you will have probably seen M pop up many, many times. She's a dear friend of mine, and um, it's been really, really cool for me um, to watch you kind of find this, what was a hobby and is now like a pretty significant side hustle. Um mm-hmm. And so I am really excited to talk to you about it so that others can hear about it because I've kind of had this wonderful glimpse into kind of the goings on and it's been really cool to watch it grow into what it is. So to begin, how, why macrame? Where did macrame come from? And um, yeah, how did it become sort of what it is today? You know, I had to actually think about this Um, (laughs) (laughs) because... I don't know. I don't really know. I, if we go all the way back to when I was getting married. So what was that? 2016? 2016. Yeah. Um, that is kind of when I started to just like the idea of macrame. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted macrame in my wedding. And, you know, like I was on Pinterest and I was just looking into so much decor stuff. And I knew that I liked that vibe and I wanted that vibe in my wedding, but I didn't have time to figure it out. And there's this really funny photo of my sister and my, well, my, my sister and my best friend were like a duo maid of honor, you know? Yes. Um, so I have this, this funny picture and I had gone out and bought rope from Home Depot and it's not the right cord at all that you would use for macrame. Okay. And there's a picture of us tying it to a broom uh, handle. <laughs> and I'm trying to show them how to do stuff based off of a YouTube that I had watched. But they are just like, they're not the type. They are not the type that would no. do any type of <laughs> DIY kind of thing like that. So, um, yeah, it was pretty funny. And that went nowhere. I um, think you I- actually sent me um, this trial photo in yeah. the process of being like, cause uh, yeah, I mean, anyone who's listening may not know that we were friends and I also got to photograph your wedding. So yes. there you were kind of, you would text me like your thoughts and your details and we're wondering if it was all going to come together. And I remember that photo and laughing really hard also knowing who your sister is. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so out of that, I actually, asked my sister-in-law who is an amazing knitter um if she could figure it out and make something for my wedding so the macrame that was in my wedding I had four big panels of it that kind of covered my the head table instead of yes. a, what is it what is a table like a linen or a t- yeah yeah um and so I just think it's funny now because that my wedding made it into dote and the macrame associated with my wedding is not even mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I forgot yeah, that, about that. It wasn't dote. It was like the first dote weddings issue. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. It was the first. Yeah. So that's kind of how I guess the idea of macrame started. And then, yeah. When did it kind of become something that you, you started like trying out or testing the waters of? I mean, I guess it would have been maybe a year after that um, that I started kind of just like messing around with it. Nothing serious at all. Like I didn't know what I was doing in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my stepdad got diagnosed with cancer and I kind of just needed a distraction that I could still, you know, like I could think but do something at the same time. So it was kind yes. of like making thinking easier. Yep. Something that was really hard to think about. So yep. I started I started doing it a lot. I was almost obsessed. Like I would be at work and think about nodding. I just like loved the distraction. I needed the distraction. And I just started making a lot of stuff. <laughs> like I was, yeah. yeah, I was nodding all of the time and um, continued doing that. I think it was sort of like a, a form of, of therapy during that time like it just seemed to ground you in in some way I like that though that idea of having something almost like busy hands to like keep your mind at yeah it's like I wasn't I I I wasn't able slash I wasn't ready to think about it with my whole brain if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like I couldn't yeah I needed to be doing two things at once to kind of like really absorb Mm -hmm. everything that was going on so that's basically what I was doing. I was macrameing a lot. And even when I would go out to Victoria, which is where they lived, I would bring rope with me and I would oh, just gather all of the best driftwood from out oh. there. 
and I would I would not while I was there like visiting them. Yes. So it, it just kind of started that way, and then I just shared random pictures on my I think just on my story of my personal account and. A couple friends had asked me, like, can I have that, like, slash buy it? I'm like, yes. what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> you want this? Um, and that's how that's how it started, really. It happened very organically to the point where I had to really think about how this even happened. And I think, too, like, when I think back to you starting to kind of dabble in this or it became – I think – it was born out of a hobby um, that was like almost a coping sort of mechanism. Um, but we both ended up getting pregnant a month apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about you dreaming of doing like a macrame baby swing. And at the time you were um, uh, hashtag van life. You yeah. guys were <laughs> renovating the sprinter van and you being like, I could hang this swing and, you know, baby could be in here. And, and then I think just like, even in maternity leave, like having mm-hmm. like a little bit of, well, I guess, huh, should I say more time? I don't know if more time is the right word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't exactly have a baby that napped. So I don't know yeah. how I managed to, to macrame during mat leave, but I did. Um, but yeah, it was just good to have like a part of me that wasn't just a mother. Like I had, that kind of other thing that I could do because, yeah. you know, Matt, leave, you're not working. Um, so it was really nice to have that. Um, okay. So thinking about sort of the, the history of frayed gray, mm-hmm. um, which would have, I suppose it's like, you're kind of in your third, fourth year of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is like, maybe something that totally surprised you or was like a huge success that maybe you weren't expecting? Um, And then what was something that was um, maybe challenging or something that you kind of had to navigate that wasn't necessarily like the easiest, um, whether like personally in terms of balancing all of the things or maybe just in terms of running a business? I would be really curious to hear that. Let's start with like success. Okay, well... I mean, first of all, I just, I never expected anyone to want what I was making. <laughs> like that. Which is, is crazy because they're beautiful. And it's like, I'm being so honest. Like I am still shocked. I still just can't believe it. And I think I, I, I say that to you. Like, yes, I, this really did start from like a hobby slash coping, me- coping mechanism. And I just didn't like, this isn't what I expected (laughs) so yeah um, and for for any listeners who yes would not know much of the history here yes 100% every time M launches a collection she's like am I crazy for doing this is this good is this what do you you know like will people like this and every time they do so yeah Yeah, I've been I've been really was there something that beyond the fact that people were purchasing them? Because I think to anyone who's not you, that's not a surprise. Um, what, yeah, was there like a moment or like a a purchase that was just like, what? There's two kind of that's, that stick out to me. And one was early on and it was a hanging I actually made in uh, Sydney, like in Victoria, while visiting my 
my mom and stepdad, they had actually gone to Tofino and we were watching their dogs and I had made this hanging and I had a crystal in it and it was super pretty and it was still very at the beginning and Sarah Bow is Sarah mm-hmm. her photography um she bought it and she took photos of it for me just as like a like she paid for it and still offered to do photos for me so that was really like nice of her she's she's amazing I don't yeah. think she, we I don't think we've ever met she may or may not know who I am but I think she's amazing yeah she's, so she's she sent wonderful. me a whole bunch of photos that were you know like beautifully lit natural light like above her bed that I didn't have anything like that yet like at the beginning I was taking terrible photos and my photos still are probably not great <laughs> but I was taking really bad photos and so to have something like that that was really nice and that was kind of like, wow, someone actually wants to to put photos of something, like, out into the world that I made. Like, I don't know. It was pretty crazy. Um, so I would say that was an early, early day win. And to be fair, your home was, like, didn't have a ton of natural light. Yeah, it did you not. You were working very well with what you had. And it, my phone you... was old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So many factors. Yeah. Um, and what's been, like the maybe the biggest challenge for you because let's be honest this is um this is not your full-time thing but it may as well be you spend a lot of time on it what would you say yeah what would you say over the past three or so years has been the biggest challenge I think it's a challenge that will be ongoing and Mm -hmm. it's like comparing to other creatives I think when you do something creative specifically it's it's kind of personal, like, I don't know, I don't necessarily think about things that I make as, you know, like, a as super personal, but it is, like, it's art, mm-hmm. and part of that struggle, like, it, it's kind of intertwined into a whole bunch of things, like, part of me thinks that I need to consider myself an artist to be able to get over this struggle, because, like, I compare myself to other people, and I also go back and forth with, like, am I an artist or is this a business? And that's right. also really hard. So I guess that's kind of a couple struggles, but I think they're all related. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like imposter syndrome is so normal and so yeah. common. Um, but in it, it feels like kind of lonely because you're like, oh my goodness, these these creatives. And I mean, I'm speaking not from a, not from yeah. like a maker perspective, but from a, a photography creative perspective of just like, Absolutely. Being like, these people are incredible. Where do I sit in comparison? You know, even just like in growth of following or, Mm -hmm. and I think we talked about this a little bit too recently, just like, how do you, how do you navigate? Like when you're creating something that's very, very personal, I mean, in the sense that it is being created by your hands from your mind. Yeah. Even if it's not necessarily like emotionally personal, it's still you as an individual creating it. And then, you know, what is inspiration? Who are you taking inspiration from? Who's maybe taking inspiration from your work? And just that it's like, it is like a little bit, not even a little bit. There's a lot of gray when it comes to that too. There is a lot of gray. And I don't know, I have to remind myself that, I mean, there's a lot of people who do macrame and like I do have to remind myself often that just because others may share this skill, like it doesn't make my skill any less. Right. It's like the expression of like, there's no, um, there's not a limited amount of success to go around. Like we all have equal access to it. Yes. A hundred percent. 
But, you know, even with comparing to other people, it's not even just about things they're making. It's like how they're running their business. Like I, you're right. Like I have a full-time job. I have a toddler. I, I have a different life than some other makers and I'll see something they're doing. Like maybe they're really active in, on their Instagram, their social media. And I've had like a week where I haven't posted. I'm still making things like I'm still doing orders. I'm still working on my business, but I'm, you know, I'm busy and it's kind of that kind of thing too. I'm like, well, am I doing enough? Am I right. doing enough for my small business? Do I want it to grow? Like, which way do I want it to grow? Because I'm still sometimes in this mindset of, no, this is like my hobby. <laughs> and I'm making this stuff regardless of whether it's selling. Right. So I, it's like this middle, I, I get stuck in this back and forth of how to grow my business and what to do and why. There's so much that's like, new to it's like Instagram comes out with a new feature that you feel like you're playing catch up and trying to you know stay with things that are helping with engagement that do grow your business and Mm -hmm. and yeah you're absolutely right not to say that somebody without a child or another job um has it easier but like they're going to work really Mm -hmm. hard to make their business grow but there absolutely is something about having to I mean, I feel this every day. It's like I go from one hour of work and I'm 100% present in work to 100% present with my child to then oh one trying to engage in like a side project and like invest emotions and energy into that. And it's like, it's not just like the simplest thing to be like, oh, my morning routine is this and I'm in a time block you know, making for this much time and then I'm going to make a reel and then I'm going to do this. It's like really squeezing it in to where it fits. And sometimes it's, it's, yeah, you can't do it all. (laughs) It's it's so true. And it's even little things like, you know, while I tried to make a reel the other day, I, I've been, it's on my list of things to do is like take a photo for my macrame account that has me in it, but I'm a, I'm a work from home mom who like, let's be honest, I am not looking that fresh for these photos. (laughs) So even if I squeeze in like 15 minutes and I'm like, oh, I need to take this photo. First of all, I have to have a piece that's done. And second of all, I have to look ready for a photo and I just haven't found the time to make it happen yet. So it's little things that I'm like, I should be able to do that, you know? I definitely feel like people can tell when I have like brushed my hair because I will show my face on my Instagram yeah. <laughs> stories. It's like, oh, I like put on some mascara today. So yeah. big things are happening here. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think that that's one thing that I really admire um, just about a lot of business owners. And I'm hoping to chat with more over the course of these episodes and even on this one, um, chatting with you and Leslie and Janice, um, from Camp Brand Goods and Flora Fromage and just like kind of, you're all in this balancing act. And it's Mm -hmm. really, really incredible that you're creating the way you are and running businesses the way that you are. Um, in addition to, things that are pulling you in a lot of other different directions. So I'm just really impressed. And I think it's kind of fun that all three of you happen to just have worked out for this first small business episode. Um, but before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, and maybe you don't have an answer and that's okay. As you think ahead to like the future of Fred Gray, you're like three, four years in, it's kind of grown into something that I don't think at the beginning you anticipated it was going to become, or even 
could comprehend that it would become. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's sort of like, what would be the dream for Frayed Gray or for what you could do with it or where you could take it if like, if like nothing else mattered? Well, it ties into what I said earlier about considering myself an artist, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've sent hangings to many states in the U.S., like France, New Zealand, Yes. Almost all provinces, except for the Maritimes, I think, in Canada. Like, nothing that I was ever expecting to do. But if I really want to be an artist or consider myself that way, I want people, like, I've sent hangings to people, and now I want people to come to them. So I had this idea, <laughs> I, you know, the idea of, like, doing a large commission for a retail space, a restaurant, a bar, or a line of hotels. Yeah. That would be amazing. Okay, like, so if anyone is listening... Yes. <laughs> who is either owns a retail space or a restaurant or a bar or a cafe or anything yeah. basically with space and a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking uh, like, I don't like, I'll be honest, if I'm being honest, I don't like the small stuff. Like I, you don't find keychains and that kind of thing on my website for a reason. I don't like doing them. Mm-hmm. So I like large pieces. Like I want to do a large like basically an installation. I want to do a giant wall. Okay. So I love this. Putting it out there. Into the I wall. love it. And I also think that there's something to be said for choosing to do the work that that you love. Cause I think in this process, there have been times where you've, you know, you've done a hanging and to me, I'm like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that was draining. Like that wasn't that didn't align with the kind of like what fills my cup or what like brings me life in this and not that you didn't work incredibly hard or make it like excellent standard that you always do but just that you were like nope that was like sort of a that was an indicator to me that that's not something I want to do in the future I like that you're kind of sticking to your guns on this yeah and that also on some parts makes me a bad business woman um but I think it's like a niche though. It's like yeah. people will know it's like, this is, this is what I can expect from frayed gray. And I For think sure. the sooner you do it, the easier it will be down the line, I yep. suppose. But For sure. And I do think, um, it does take maybe a little bit of time. Like if someone were starting their own, whatever it may be, creative business or maker, you know, you do say a yes a lot at the beginning, you take mm-hmm. orders that you wouldn't have necessarily envisioned um Mm -hmm. for your vision of your company or whoever you are but I'm I don't have I don't have the time to not enjoy what I'm doing because this is taking up my time my personal time like outside of momming and working yeah so I have to enjoy it if anything for this conversation yes to not have time to do something you don't enjoy I love that so much well thank you so much for taking the time in that busy life to chat with me. Um, I'm really excited about this episode and um, I feel like it's just, it's so cool how many people in Calgary and beyond, like across our country are, are finding things that, yeah, bring them joy and finding a way to monetize them. Um, But I wish you all the best on this journey of artist versus business owner, because I think you're both and (laughs) you're my biggest fan I am your biggest fan absolutely (laughs) actually no Tasha might be 
Um, (laughs) If anyone is listening, Tasha even might be listening. She is this. She is. She does have multiple hangings with my. She does have multiple hangings. She's a wonderful, wonderful. She's just a hype girl all around. We love her. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyways, thank you so so much. And um. Yes, I wish you all the best. Hello and welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast. I am so excited to be chatting with you and I know we were just kind of briefly catching up before this, but you have some exciting things happening. I am excited to talk to you. So there, I'm kind of thrilled that listeners were interested in hearing from small business owners, especially here in Calgary, which is where I'm currently located. Um, and even though we're moving to the West coast in a couple of months, um, we're planning to come back here. This is home. So I'm going to kind of keep things centered around Calgary, at least for the time being. Um, but you own, oh my goodness, how would I even describe it? You make cheese, vegan vegan cheese. Yeah, so I own Flora Fromage, and we're a food production company here in Calgary making vegan cheese. We have seven products right now, ranging from fermented cheese wheels to ricotta and even a melting cheese, our mozzarella. They always look delicious, and I can say I have tasted... I haven't done the the ricotta, although every time you post about it, I'm like, I just need to make a lasagna with this, but I've had the... Um, I'm trying to think. The truffle, the truffle is my yeah. favorite. It's our, so the good. truffles are number one seller, but we have a garlic and herb macadamia that is neck and neck now, maybe Ooh. surpassing that. Yeah, people are really like wowed by the macadamia cheese. Oh my goodness, I will have to give it a try. I know my friend Emily, who's also featured on this episode, um, she introduced me um to the the truffle one. It was probably mm-hmm. honestly like two years ago maybe you've been a, you've been open for that long for sure yeah we launched in the summer of 2018 so we're coming up on three years okay that would make sense because we both had newborns and were I think celebrating her birthday and like trying to like nurse and eat cake and eat cheese and and this is the cheese we had and I think yeah I mean we were nursing so we were eating whatever we wanted and we crushed Absolutely. crushed yeah. a wheel so, yeah Emily has been really supportive from day one and same with Leslie who I know you have on this episode as well yes they're like top customers. There we go. This was just a meant to be episode. I love how yeah. this worked out. So for someone who may not have followed your journey, um, how did sort of this come to be in 2018? And I would just love to kind of, yeah, hear about the dream and how it came to be um, mm-hmm. this business that now is moving to even bigger things, but we'll chat about that later too. For sure. So I think it's important to say first that I have always been wired um, in an entrepreneurial way and kind of always looking for that thing that was going to be my business and, you know, help me become financially free and creatively fulfilled. So Flora Fromage was not the first thing that I started, um, but it's definitely been the thing that really has apparently taken off. Um, I'm a chef by trade. So I went to culinary school in New York City in 2012. And then when I moved to Canada for love, (laughs) my husband's Canadian, (laughs) um, I was working as a private chef and doing catering jobs. And um, due to health reasons, I started eating more plant-based. And so naturally, that's what I started offering. 
my clients when I was doing catering. So I would do vegan charcuterie boards. And I started experimenting in the kitchen with nuts, making vegan cheeses. And the feedback that I was getting from the clients was just like the best praise. It was through the roof. So I I realized I had something special on my hands Mm -hmm. and that maybe this could be the thing. Maybe this was going to be the business. Um, I love that. But a little bit before that, I did have my heart set on opening a cafe. So I was going through the motions with that and writing a business plan for a cafe, but then um, on the side kind of selling these cheeses through Instagram. And um, Isn't it the most wonderful tool? It's like free advertising and community and all in one. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I I love, I love how Instagram has been like such an integral part of so many businesses in the past few years. I don't think that my business would have been able to find the success that it has without Instagram. Hmm. Honestly. I honestly, yeah. Cause I, that's where I, I mean, that's where I heard about you. I'm sure. Um, and not just from Emily, like even before then, just like seeing it pop up, you doing markets. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Yeah, so continue. I moved to Calgary in 2018 and I had started making the vegan cheeses when we were living in Vancouver and that's when I was working as a private chef. So then when we moved here, I was like, what am I going to do? Is it going to be the cafe? Is it going to be this cheese business? Um, and I was selling cheeses, like just little one-offs, um, through Instagram DMs, probably to Emily and Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, like word was spreading that I'm making these vegan cheeses. And when I was living in Vancouver, there were a few established brands there, but there weren't any here in Calgary. So there was a hole in the market nice. and I realized that. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to put the cafe idea on the back burner because there's an opportunity right in front of me right now for this product-based business. So I'm going to go full steam ahead and launch Flora Fromage. So I I started doing the back-end work and got it incorporated, which was such a big step, you know, going to the registry and it's like $500 to do that. (laughs) But um, so exciting. And I like planned this big dinner for our launch and invited some influencers, which is like looking back, such a smart idea. It was so smart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of got the word out very fast with like a boom. Um, And then from there, I was reaching out to local retailers, like more independent shops and um, smaller like health food stores. And I just got yeses after yeses after yeses. It was mind blowing. It was like, this shouldn't be this easy, but like I said, there was a hole in the market yeah. and it was just the right time for Calgary. More people are becoming educated on eating plant-based for, for different reasons, whether it's, you know, animal ethics, the environment or health. Yeah. Um, so I just saw a huge opportunity. There is something about people wanting to, to build something with you. And then you also mm-hmm. had the business smarts to be like, Hey, I'm going to scrap this my initial dream <laughs> to make mm-hmm. sense of what's in front of me. And I think, yes, you have, you have done this so brilliantly. And yes, maybe there was a hole in the market, but 100% this comes from this like entrepreneurial spirit that you have to like make this happen. Um, yeah. so you launch it, it gets into stores and things like that. Um, one thing that I've been asking and that I'm really curious about is kind of what you thought it might end up looking like when you first launched it and sort of Mm -hmm. what it is now like 
is how mm-hmm. you perceived it to play out differently or different from, from like where you're sitting three years later almost? So I have the ability to dream big, that's for sure. Hmm. So even when I was starting it, I would let my mind wander and imagine, you know, going national and having this this be the thing that really brings me to that financial freedom that I want. Yes. Um, so I, I could envision that, but I also wasn't putting pressure on it to be that either. I was totally okay with being like a local small business that is hmm. slinging cheese at the farmer's market. <laughs> that, that was 100% okay with me too, because I really believe that every venture, every business idea, every project that I do is bringing me one step closer um, to where I want to be. And so if this was just another step on my path, I was okay with that too. I like that though, that there is something that was like, this could be bigger than it might be. Like I, Mm -hmm. I think to see that as like a possibility, Oh, that excites me because it means that probably sitting here now, three years later, you probably have even bigger dreams for what it could look like. And that's, that's super exciting too. What would you say is like a super wonderful, surprising, or like just huge success that maybe you couldn't have anticipated? And what was one thing that was, um, maybe like, a a bit of an obstacle or something that felt Mm -hmm. like just like, ah, why did this happen? Do you have any of those experiences? I'm sure you do. Of course (laughs) I do. Yeah. So for the, the big successes, I would say there were so many along the way, like being featured in magazines, um, was always like the best feeling ever. And I would always jump up and down and mm-hmm. just, cause it comes out of the blue. Like when you're featured in a magazine, people usually don't tell you they're going to be featuring you. They just send you a link and they're like, Oh, you're featured in globe and mail. And right. it's, it's just mind blowing something like that. Um, so anytime that would happen and it's been a handful of times, I've always been super excited. And then every time we get into a new retailer, that's great Hmm. as well. So those have been huge successes, especially um, our biggest retailer to date has been Community Natural Foods. Amazing. They are super difficult to get into. And so it was a long uh, road to get into there. And like you have to find the right doors to knock on. So it took me a couple of years and then we finally got into there. So that was amazing. And then now we are going to be listed with Safeway and Sobeys in the next couple of months. So that's even bigger. So I would say the success is kind of just like gradually get bigger as you go. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. That's huge. Yeah, it is huge. That's (laughs) so cool. Oh my goodness. I'm excited for you. All right. So can you tell me about maybe something that was like a failure or like a challenge or an obstacle you had to overcome? Yeah, for sure. So aside from the daily or weekly fumbles of like, um, you know, missing a delivery window and things like that, a big failure that I um, had was last fall, we launched a shipping program. I was so excited to do this because we get asked quite a bit if we can ship to, well, all over. Um, We've even had requests to ship to Europe, but Mostly we were trying to get a Canadian-wide shipping program going, so I invested in a ton of 
insulated shipping materials because we have to keep the cheese cold so it's important to know that yeah and we have to get it there within a day so that it stays cold and there's just all these logistical nightmares and so I was trying to solve this problem for so long and I felt like I had finally solved it so we launched our shipping program and let it run for a few weeks and it was a total nightmare Um, no unfortunately it was the fault of the couriers It was just like out of our control completely, but uh, we would ship the cheese and sometimes it would get there perfectly in under 24 hours, which is what we would pay for. So great. But then like the other times it would like just get lost or it would arrive super late and the cheese wasn't cold and moldy and it was just such a nightmare. I ended up refunding so many orders and it's sad to tell customers no when they're asking. You just want to say yes to everybody, but um, yeah, it just wasn't working. So I had, there came a day where I had to shut it down. I remember, I think seeing those stories and you being like, we wanted to do this so badly, but just like, and I, and I do think that like, even just timing wise, like COVID was like very much affecting everything and shipping. And I remember seeing so many small businesses being like, we're, we're paying for like top notch mm-hmm. service and it's still not getting to Yeah. You. Like we're paying for most of it. And like, I wasn't charging the customers the full price of what that priority shipping even was. Yeah. Um, and then I would end up refunding it and just losing so much money and, and waste of cheese. And of mm-hmm. course the packaging materials are not that eco-friendly. So I didn't feel right about it anyway. Um, so I think the route to go, uh, the solution to this is to get our distribution channels. So get a distributor to be able to stock stores so people can find us easier. Mm -hmm. I agree. And even just like, yeah. And having like, um, yeah, once your distribution even like grows and to have it all coming from one place and you don't have to stress about those individual orders, that will be huge. Yeah. I guess you had a dream at the beginning of opening a cafe and you kind of shelved mm-hmm. that for the time being. Circle. Yeah. So tell me about what now three years in having experienced these successes, having kind of really, really established yourself as like filling that gap in this industry. Um, what are the next big dreams and plans if you can share them? Yeah, I can definitely share now because we have secured a space mm. Um, it's like the logical next step. We've really outgrown the commercial kitchen that we have been using mm-hmm. for the last three years. It's a shared space and it's really for startup food businesses and it has served us well, but we are busting at the seams there. Yeah. Um, so I've been looking for spaces for quite a while and that's a crazy process in itself yeah. because, you know, you have your list and for me, I just wouldn't settle until I found something that checked all the boxes. Um, And then the space that I finally found is insane. It's like bigger than I thought I could get. It's both industrial and in functionality, but its location is retail. So it's got the the bonus of that. And so it's allowing me to really fulfill all of my dreams there with having a bigger production kitchen for Flora Fromage so we can produce more cheese as well as having a storefront and a cafe. So everything has come full circle and because this space is so perfect and because of the size and location, I'm able to have everything that I want under one roof. And so we're going to be opening the cafe in a couple of months. It's going to be a fully plant-based cafe called Daydream. Daydream. 
because I never quit my daydream. I am obsessed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's super fun. Like the branding is so whimsical and a little modern too, of course, because I like to be stylish. But overall, it's it's super playful and I get to be punny and and have little quotes on the wall like – Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Yes. <laughs> to see it absolutely come full circle is so special. And I think it's exactly like you said that when you when you were talking about how you felt like you might have like run a, across something really special. And I think that that's exactly it. And evidently, Calgary and beyond have responded to be like, yes, mm-hmm. we need you here permanently. Please stay. Yes, exactly. It's because of Calgary and the community and the customers that I have that I've been able to get to this next point. Um, our products have been really well received. I feel very supported here. And I know people want me to succeed Mm -hmm. and they want things like this in the community, an awesome plant-based cafe and a vegan cheese company. So I am, that definitely helps. I am so thrilled. And beyond that, I mean, just kind of based on your comments earlier, I feel like, like cafe is not the end of the dreaming for you, although it's the focus right now and kind of the next, the next step. But is there anything beyond that, that you'd be like, all right, 10 years from now, this is, or even less, I, this is where I see yeah, yeah, I definitely would like to grow the cheese production side of things bigger and to the point where we probably won't be able to even do production at the cafe anymore mm-hmm. and that we have to have a co-packer and a bigger plant so that we can be a national brand okay. and even perhaps an international brand going down to the States and getting into Whole Foods. I think Whole Foods is kind of like the beacon for every food production yes. company, at least the healthy ones. Cafe is like a really like personal dream of mine and something that I just want to be, I want a space where I can be creative, a space for the community. It just sounds so great for me. I love to host events. And so, you know, post COVID times, I imagine having workshops again yes. and events and dinner parties. So I want this space to be all of that. But then of course, parallel, I would like to still grow flora fromage and there's no cap on that for me like i will grow it to be super big um as big as it can get and then potentially sell it and uh you know it's got to be at the value that i yeah uh, that i need it to be at the right price yep but that's a goal like a five to ten year goal would be to sell it for the right price and then be able to just work at the cafe and then host yoga retreats and just have a bit more like free time to be creative in that mm-hmm. way. So if anyone is listening and you are an investor um, or yeah. want to purchase this in 10 years, check back because there's lots to be done in 10 years. And if Absolutely. you're- Absolutely. I did have somebody approach me. Oh, um, that doesn't yeah, surprise me. Somebody approached me um, a few months ago. They wanted to buy it and they're a bigger food company focusing on vegan foods and-, and yeah, they wanted to buy 100% of the company from me, but I was not ready. Like I've got way more in me mm-hmm. and the price wasn't right. <laughs> so good I for said, you. No. Oh my gosh. That, that makes me really happy because it means not only do you have like, this is something you love, you know, like people don't hold on to things like that if they don't love them or have, or have plans that are so much bigger. And so that's, that's so cool. So 10 years, 10 years from now, someone, if you're listening now, five to 10, five to 10. And also if you're listening now, stay tuned for, this will probably be releasing in a couple of weeks from when we're chatting. So in the next couple of months, 
find her on social media, Flora Fromage, and mm-hmm. check out updates. Oh my goodness, I'm so thrilled and honestly, I could probably just chat to you about all of these business plans you have for the next hour, but um, we'll wrap. You know what? This is my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) I am so looking forward to coming. I know we're moving to the West Coast, but we we will be back throughout the summer and I cannot wait to come and check out your space and celebrate that with you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. I can't wait to have you there. Thank you so much for chatting and taking the time out of what I know is a very busy schedule. Um, I appreciate it so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks uh, everybody for listening. And there you have it. Three wonderful conversations, all of which filled my cup and inspired me to continue pursuing the things that I'm working on, including this podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and you will never miss an episode.